Welcome to The Wildlife, a program that probes the mysteries of the animal world through interviews with scientists and other wildlife investigators. I'm Laurel Neme, your host for The Wildlife and also author of Animal Investigators, How the World's First Wildlife Forensic Lab is Solving Crimes and Saving Endangered Species. Today on The Wildlife, you'll hear a presentation on the Rhino DNA Index System that was made at the Society of Wildlife Forensic Sciences' first triennial meeting in May 2012. In this presentation, you'll hear Cindy Harper of the Veterinary Genetics Laboratory at the University of Pretoria in South Africa talk about how a DNA profile database of individual rhinoceros can be used to assist investigators of rhino poaching incidents. Following the development of a method to extract and amplify nuclear DNA from rhinoceros horn, the Veterinary Genetics Laboratory initiated the Rhino DNA Index System project in 2010. The Rhino DNA Index System, also known as RODIS, is a single secure database that is populated with DNA profile data of individual rhinoceros using published rhinoceros-specific microsatellites produced under stringent quality compliant laboratory conditions. The horn extraction method has been optimized and is now used routinely in the veterinary genetics laboratory to individually identify rhinoceros horns from stockpiles and to link recovered horns to poaching cases. This information has assisted in a number of convictions in South Africa and also one in the United Kingdom. The database includes over 3,500 individual white and black rhinoceros DNA profiles, including over 500 samples from poaching cases. The data collected can link not only the recovered horns, but also clothing and other objects to a specific poaching incident. The RODIS project includes DNA sample collection kits packed in sealed, labeled forensic evidence bags to ensure chain of custody compliance in crime scene samples and samples collected from live animals. The RODIS project has participated in the training of over 100 investigators, environmental management inspectors, veterinarians, and prosecutors to collect DNA evidence samples from rhino crime scenes. Other rhinoceros range states represented on the RODIS database include Namibia, Zimbabwe, and Botswana, and three Kenyan scientists have recently been trained to implement RODIS in Kenya. The widespread support and rapid growth of the RODIS project is proof that a central, standardized international DNA database to support the efforts of wildlife monitoring and trafficking authorities for threatened species is possible and can play a significant role in this effort. Now, here is Cindy Harper, and I'll apologize in advance for the poor quality of the recording. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, I'm just going to give you a short background as to who we actually are. Um, South Africa is a little known country down in the south of the um, African continent, but we have been having a lot of really big problems with poaching and particularly my poaching over the last few years. Um, we are based basically with the veterinary faculty, only veterinary faculty in South Africa, um, and that is at Orestaput, and the, the city is Pretoria, so that's where we are based. Just to give you an overview of the coaching problem we've been having, okay, back in 2007, you'll notice there was not much of a problem then, 
um, this would have been an acceptable level of poaching at that stage. This steadily increased here starting around about 2008. Um, going up to 2011, we lost a total of 448 rhinos during the course of that year, which was um, approximately 1.2 rhinos a day. Um, 2012, we'll notice I put a total up there, and the year isn't finished yet, but we are running at current rate of about 1.4 rhinos a day. So the expected total number for this year would be around about 530. So that is quite, quite a significant increase in the poaching volume. Just to show you, give you an indication of where this problem is occurring, so you can understand some of the dynamics and perhaps some of the trade routes, um, why it's happening. Um, this is a map of South Africa, and this is the number of poachings per province. We have nine official provinces or districts in South Africa, and each one of these is run slightly differently in terms of legislation. Here we'll have the Kruger National Park, where there's been the highest level of poaching. You'll notice significantly more poaching in the Kruger National Park than anywhere else in South Africa. And these are the, the numbers basically for this year. Um, a total of 133 rhinos so far in the Kruger National Park this year. The reason for this is Kruger National Park is situated up in the north of the country, and here on the, um, on the easterly border, it borders with Mozambique. And there is, it's an extremely difficult border to control. So most of the poachers come in from the Mozambican side, take out the rhinos, and then return to Mozambique where there is hardly any control. Um, quite a lot of the poaching, you'll notice Limpopo province, northwest, and Kuzulu Natal. Here's Kuzulu Natal, Limpopo, and then northwest. Also quite easily accessible through that route. And the other reason is the, the permitting controls, so the legislative controls in those areas, are actually less than in the other provinces. So that's another reason why the dynamics is that you will find most of the poaching in those areas. If we go on as we're doing at this stage, according to current models, the expected rate of, um, or date of extinction would be 2025. So we are looking at actually losing this entire species by that time. Um, estimated value of the horn on the black market at this stage is between 20,000 and 90,000 US dollars per kilogram. So it's an extremely valuable commodity, so you'll see why, why this is actually happening. And as most of you would know, the product is used mainly in traditional Chinese medicine. That is the main um, use of, of the product. So far, the number of horns that have been recovered, and that is from June 2010 until March 2012, is a reasonable number, but if you compare that to the amount of poaching, it's not really significant, so about 122. The number of poachers that have been apprehended, there are quite a few, but these are ground-level poachers. These are people that are going in and killing the animal and removing the horns. Um, in 2011, there were 232, 2012, so far 146. So they're doing a reasonable job there. Just to indicate these pictures, the problem with poaching is not just the total number of animals we're losing, it's the type of animals we're losing too. Um, this, for example, is a poaching scene that we attended. There was, there's the cow <coughs> and there's the calf. They were both poached, and you'll notice the calf's horn has also been removed, even though it's quite small. 
And very often these cows, when they have a calf at foot, are pregnant as well. So you'll have almost a full-term fetus last at the same time. Um, just to say what is being done in South Africa, you know this is part of trying to solve this problem. There's an awful lot being done at this age. We have rangers that are being trained specifically to combat this. We have army patrols in the Kruger National Park, so the defense horses in there. Uh, it has become almost a war zone in terms of fighting the poaching problem. Uh, there are sniffer dogs that are used for this. Security measures on private farms include surveillance with small planes and uh, surveillance cameras, so it's extremely expensive to do. In other words, the live value of a rhino to actually own it has decreased. Nobody wants to buy them, which means the range has actually decreased as well. Um, of course, the dedicated police and security, we have the National Wildlife Crime Reaction Unit that's doing a lot of work. Dedicated prosecutors, increased sentences. The sentences are going quite well right now. We have up to 25 years for, for rhino poaching. Um, we have amendments to our National Environmental Management Biodiversity Act which includes a lot of the practices in terms of hunting to get all of this under control. Um, and then the microchips identification of each and every animal. And dealing warning is also done, which is part of the um, solution to the problem. And then um, we have the rhino DNA database, which we are involved with. And um, in terms of the syndicates, because of rhino horn trade is very much an organized crime activity, some of these syndicates you may have noticed in the press, the high-level people have been arrested, and we have actually had um, uh, assets forfeiture for one of these syndicates, up, uh, and the total value of that was 8 million US dollars. So significant um, activities are happening to try and combat this, even on the high level of poaching, level 3 and 4 um, of the poaching syndicates. Uh, these are just some of the amendments to our National Biodiversity Act, which um, relate particularly to the DNA profiling. Um, basically what it means is that every rhino, if you touch a rhino, if you dart it for movement, a lot of these rhinos are in private captivity, so they are moved around a lot, you have to take a DNA profile or a DNA sample and you have to send it to our laboratory for DNA profiling to go onto the database. And then also for the horn stockpiles, there are extremely large rhino horn stockpiles. These also have to be identified. Just some background in terms of the, uh, the rhino species. Uh, some of you may know this, but those that don't, this is the black rhino, and that is the white rhino. You'll notice the wide lip of the white rhino, and then the pointed lip of the black rhino. Uh, you have these different uh, species and subspecies, particularly of black rhino. The white rhino at this stage, um, the northern white is, is pretty close to extinction if it's not already extinct, they're very few. Southern white rhino dropped down to about 100 animals at the turn of the century and they're now up to 18,000, very much thanks to the work that's been done in South Africa in terms of cat breeding. So we have um, approximately 12,000 state-owned white rhino in South Africa and 5,000 privately owned. You'll notice from the total that is almost all the white rhino are actually in South Africa. Um, total number for the species, we're looking at for both species about 23,000 and I think that's an optimistic estimate. What RONIS is, it is a standard secure database of DNA profiles. 
Um, what we've attempted to do, and that's what we call the road, is so it's Rhino DNA Index System. It's based on the CODI system, and that is in terms of having a standard marker set that you actually do the DNA profiles from. Because up to this stage, a lot of the wildlife work, we've heard that before, um, each person uses their own marker set with their own data, it cannot be com compared. What you want to do with this type of a database is to put everything onto one and be able to compare those. And that's what we attempted to do with, with Rodas. So you have the forensic data set from the poaching cases, and then you have the routine data set from the live animals. And the routine data set is used basically for your annual frequency match probability data um, or statistics. Um, the reason for this is to provide a traceability system for rhinoceros in South Africa and also for rhinoceros horns. That is the, the basic reason for it. You'll notice also um, we had discussions or workshop on how to um, utilize a crime scene and all rhino poaching incidents, the crime scenes are handled like human crime scenes. Um, so you'll notice here, for example, markers are placed, photographs are taken, uh, bullet entry points are um, looked at, and actually bullet points collected for ballistics. So the DNA part is only a part of the whole forensic investigation. Where we are at this stage, and I'll show you um, in more detail how many samples um, and genotypes we have collected. Um, I apologize for the graphic nature of this picture, but unfortunately this is what it often looks like. So what we have are samples from provincial parks, from national parks, and from private owners in South Africa. At this stage there are about 430 private game farms that actually have rhinoceros on them. Um, we have DNA profiles from all the poaching cases, from recovered horns, stockpile horns, and then from animals from Namibia, Zimbabwe, Kenya, um, and Botswana. So it's a pretty much an Africa-wide system. Uh, this is what we have on the Rhodes database so far. We have about 5,000 samples from live routine animals that are sampled just for um, for identification purposes, when they put in ear notches to identify them from the helicopter, um, we will get a DNA, pro DNA sample and a DNA profile. We have about uh, 630 K samples, and these have come in since June 2010 until March 2012. So we are quite overloaded at this stage. It's an awful case samples to handle in that time, and basically from, from all those countries. This is just a picture of a private game farm with a whole lot of rhinos that are all dehorned. It doesn't bother the rhino whatsoever. The horn is cut off and it regrows at a rate of about five to six centimeters a year. So that's pretty quick. In about three years, the rhino will have another horn and then you can cut it off again. And this has helped in certain circumstances to actually keep the poachers away. What we have also done in terms of a chain of custody, we've put together a sampling kit that people can use out in the field to make sure we get samples in correctly, because I'm sure you all know you get samples in any shape and form. We used to get the ear and the tail and half the minor in between, which is a little bit much for DNA profiling. So what we've now done is put together in a kit um, specific containers that they need to collect, a clean drill bit, so when they drill into the horn to put the microchip in, the shavings we get out are not contaminated by then using the same drill bit over and over. It goes out in a sealed forensic bag, and it comes back in a sealed forensic bag. So that chain of custody, even in the live cases, is kept throughout. And this has made a huge difference to the type of samples we get.
This is just before they need to fall in, and you even have a scene diagram for poaching cases. Right, what we've also done then is we've done some training for field investigators, so we'll go out and we'll train people how to collect the samples. So I've been on a number of rhino captures where we've taught people this, and also in poaching cases. This training course was done in Kruger National Park with about 70 people around a poaching case. Um, here are some samples that are being collected out in the field, and they keep being demonstrated. Right, and then just um, quickly, we have what we also do is the DNA profiling from the rhino horns. So um, we basically collect samples from trophies and from the live animals, and we can do the DNA profiling from the horn. That has an important implication for aspects of legal sale because now you know what's legal and what's not legal. The horn gives you exactly the same profile as any other part of the animal. All right, how efficient is this extraction? It's extremely efficient. What we've done is experimentally taken black and white horns and sampled them from base to tip and got exactly the same DNA profile from base to tip. The oldest horn we've done is an animal shot in the Sudan in 1938. So it's an extremely old trophy horn and it gave us a beautiful DNA profile and that was actually from a northern water miner. We use as little as 20 milligrams of horn for, um, for the nest, so it's extremely little, and we've even gone to um, microscopic amounts. So that would be for the vacuuming from the vehicle that you can get the full DNA profile. And the significance of that is you can match it back to the poached animal. Okay, so, so what does it give you? It tells you it's from a rhinoceros, uh, individual ID, whether it's white or black. Some of the alleles are species specific, so you can tell whether it's white or black. And they have different protection under this IT's um, convention, male or female, and then you can use that data in population analysis too. I'm almost done. <coughs> Alright, here are some of the things we can do. We'll match the horns back to a poaching case, or even the weapons that are used in the poaching case, like axes and knives and pangas that they use to chop the horns off. The blood from that can be matched back to the poaching case and any bits and pieces. Um, what we have done further is to expand this project into the rest of Africa. So we have trained some Kenyan scientists so that um, they can do this specific system with the same markers. Everything we do in Kenya, we've also done field training for these people so, so that we can ensure that rhino protection in, this, in, this, in these terms is done all over Africa. And then what we also want to do is expand this type of project to other species in Africa as well, um, including lions, which we have started doing. And then just to thank a few of our sponsors, funding is very limited, but these are particularly industry funders, give us a lot of money for this, and particularly South African National Parks has been a very big sponsor of ours. And then I'd also just like to thank Beth, who introduced me to the society. Um, and I think it's doing absolutely wonderful work and certainly the uh, Speak Wild guidelines will be very helpful for us in terms of getting our accreditation. So thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed that presentation about the Rhino DNA Index System that was made at the Society of Wildlife Forensic Sciences May 2012 meeting. Additional episodes of The Wildlife are available on iTunes at my website, laurelnemi.com, and at laurelnemi.podbean.com. For more from the meeting of the Society of Wildlife Forensic Scientists, you can also visit www.wildlifeforensicscience.org.